So I'm going to continue our series on Ephesians. I'm picking up for where where Andy left off last week um, and starting at chapter 1, verses um, 11 to 14. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But it's worth saying that verses 3 to 14 in Ephesians is just one long continual sentence in the original Hebrew. In the original Greek. <laughs> Let me just change that in my notes. I'm doing this next week again, so they'll get the correct version. Um, it, this implies that Paul is barely able to take breath as he erupts in praise for the work of the Trinity in salvation. Paul cannot contain his praise, his enthusiasm, his excitement to share with the Ephesians all the richest blessings that have been bestowed on those who profess to know Christ. When was the last time that you couldn't contain your excitement about the revelation of what God is doing in your life or in the life of others around you? When was the last time that you got so excited when you were sharing about what God is doing as you talk to other Christians that your words just tumbled out to praise the glory of God? It's quite humbling to think that, isn't it? Over the last months, we've had a significant number of healings at all nations. My hand and face were healed after I had a a really bad fall. We have Ralph Henderson, who was healed of a debilitating stomach problem that caused him to be very sick and to lose weight. We had one of our kind of guys from the Spanish um, community, John, who had a, a really bad back that kept him in bed, who was healed. We had George Williamson with a large mass on his liver, who was healed. Amazing. Our only fitting response to this should be to turn back to praise, should be to erupt in praise. I'm just going to get um, Belinda Ekuban to come up and share something. <laughs> come on, Belinda. They want to see your beautiful face. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Hello, good morning. Um, so this morning I get the opportunity to share my healing experience, I call it, because I think there's a little bit more to it than just being healed. Um, so I'll try and keep it short. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going back a few months now where I was aware that my blood pressure was going up uh, fairly steadily. <laughs> and... Uh, but then I didn't quite, you know, do anything about it or take it seriously till I went to see the nurse with a cold and she took my pressure and she was more worried about my pressure. I'm like, okay. Uh, so she said, go and see uh, this person in the BP clinic. And I thought, oh no, I know what to do. I, it's just lifestyle changes. I'll get on and do it. And, and so I went back and tried to throw everything at it. Um, I look at Andy Woodward every day and think, I might have to start paying him to lose weight for me because it makes it look so easy. <laughs> but anyway, so um, 
Then, but it wasn't getting any better. And I got to the point where I was getting severe headaches on a fairly regular basis. So I went back to the doctors and was like, right, let's do a proper diagnosis, which means they do the 12-hour monitoring of your blood pressure. You have a meter strapped to you all day. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, so the morning of, of that uh, meter reading, I went in to have it fitted, and it was still high. Now, before then, I forget that bit, I was really, really keen not to have a diagnosis of hypertension. Oh my God, I don't want this. So I was prayed for here by Angelina, and then I was prayed for again by Heather. And in the morning, I went to have it strapped on, and it was still high. I'm like, oh God, this can't be. But um, anyway, finished that, and later on, got the results. I'm like, oh yeah, it's fine. And I went, what do you mean it's fine? I said, no, your blood pressure is fine. I said, tell me what it is. I want to know. <laughs> and it was. And yeah. And it was amazing. Um, but then going on from then, a uh, few days later, I started getting the headaches again. I thought, oh, God, what's happening? And then Ralph shared about receiving. And I felt so strongly that perhaps I'm not receiving because it's quite clear from that you know, meter reading that I'm fine. So what's going on? Am I not receiving? So I took that on board and I prayed and you know, made a conscious effort to receive from God. And that was uh, reinforced by the study we're doing in Ephesians, because we're doing that in our growth group as well. And as I read about the heavenly um, God having all these blessings for us in the heavenly places, and the fact that it's there already, and it's for us to step into it and receive it. And um, Andy Woodward preaching last week went on to say about, you know, he talked about receiving the car. You know, he, he had the whole car analogy with uh, Matt. And, and I thought about it. If God gave you those car keys and I put it in my pocket and I didn't go out and drive off with the car, it would be no good to me. So I really need to learn to receive. So I've been taking that on board and I've been fine. I haven't had a headache since. So I know it's work in progress uh, because it's a lifestyle thing as well. But the big lesson for me, I think, was about learning to receive from God, uh, not just the healing. But I'm, I'm yeah, ever so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Our only fitting response to that is to erupt in praise, to erupt in praise. So I'm going to ask you all to stand on your feet and erupt in praise, erupt in praise. Jesus, Jesus. The temptation is to spend the next 30 minutes doing that, <laughs> but we're going to move on. Paul is enthusiastic in the praise of the blessings poured out on him. He punctuates the expose of the Godhead's role in salvation with an outpouring of praise for God's glory. Paul describes how from the Father we receive every spiritual blessing when we put our trust in Jesus. We are predestined to deliverance from harm, deliverance from eternal punishment. We receive 
predestination not only for salvation, but for holiness, for blamelessness, and for adoption. And why do we receive it? For the praise of his glorious name, for the glory of God so that he might be exalted. God initiates our salvation, but he doesn't accomplish it. For this, he sent his one and only son to accomplish our our salvation, to redeem us through his blood, that we might be called sons and daughters of the king. From the son, we receive redemption, we receive forgiveness, revelation, and inheritance. If you want a greater revelation of what God looks like, look to Jesus. If you want to know how God wants to interact with you, look to Jesus. If you want to know how God wants to get close and personal with you and be involved in every aspect of your life, then look to Jesus. Amen. Andy talked so well last week about the role of Jesus in securing our salvation, reminding us again that our salvation is not about what we've done or what we're going to do, but about what Jesus did for us. He reminded us that our identity is received, not an identity that's been achieved in our own strength. If you're sitting here today and you don't yet know the salvation that I'm speaking of, if you've not yet invited Jesus into your life, then you can do it right now. So I'm going to ask all of us just to close our eyes for a minute. And I'm going to say a simple prayer. And if you want Jesus in your life, then I just encourage you to say that prayer with me. Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to accept you as Lord and Savior in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all my sins can be forgiven. Thank you for paying the price that should have been mine. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I'd love it if you came up at the end and spoke to us. We'd just like to encourage you and guide you in that. And he talked last week about the blessings that we've received from God. But what are the implications of those blessings? Let's just read from Ephesians 1, 11 to 14, which should come up on the screen behind you. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were first put, who first put their hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth of the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that actually you want to talk in us, talk to us. You want to speak right into our hearts, Lord God. We pray for softened hearts today and open minds and just speak right into us, Lord. In your almighty name, amen. So the first of these implications are that we're God's heritage. Verse 11 tells us that we are chosen in Christ. Those who are in Christ are God's allotted inheritance. And this is in keeping with Psalm 33, verse 12, where it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. And this is referring to the nation of Israel, who were God's God's chosen people. And now, through Christ, we too, both Jew and Gentile, are God's chosen people, God's inheritance. And this is the blessing of salvation, which we received because of Christ. We belong to God. We were bought at a price. And God paid that price with the death of his son so that we could become his inheritance. Verse 11 goes on to talk about predestination. We're not God's inheritance due to anything that we did. God planned it that way. He predestined us for a purpose. And we become part of that plan. We get to be part of it because he sent his one and only son to die for us. He bought the gospel to us. He regenerated our hearts and continues to work out his plan in us and through us for his purposes in accordance with his will. And our part in that is to submit to God, submit our lives to God. The second implication is we're called to glorify God. And that's part of our, don't know why I'm pointing over there, (laughs) part of our mission statement. We do it to the glory of God. God's plan to save people for himself means that those who put their faith in Jesus bring praise to his glorious name. When we come to faith, we bring praise to God's glorious name. When we have baptisms here at All Nations, we just love to invite guests. We encourage you to invite those that don't yet know Jesus to to glorify God. And you'll get the opportunity to do that on the 18th of November when we get together as a church um, at the South Site to celebrate baptisms. It's just a little plug there. Um, We've got some of our family members being baptized and we've got a guest speaker, Gavin Calver. And if you're interested in getting baptized, then come speak to Richard at the end. But we also encourage those being baptized to share their testimony, to share what God has done in their lives. And the reason we do that at church, I was waiting for the gap to you to fill that in. The reason we do that, church, is for the praise and glory of his name. The reason we do that, church, Amen. When Paul says we are the first to hope in Christ, he's talking about when he and the apostles and fellow Jews came to place their hope in Christ. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, 
because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Our salvation should result in us living lives for the glory of God. When people look at us, they should see the work of God in us. They should see us working out that hope to such an extent that they cannot fail to see the glory of God. How are you doing with that? Are we living in a way that people can clearly see God at work in our lives? Can clearly see that God is our center? Are we so single-minded and giving ourselves completely to doing the will of God? Whatever that means for us, whatever the cost to us, that others will see the result that it brings praise and glory to his name. We're looking at Ephesians through the lens of our vision statement and seeing what that means as we work out our vision together as a church. And the first part of our vision calls us to be a diverse family, a diverse family who glorify God. I come from a family of five children. It was a fairly dysfunctional family. My dad was an alcoholic and my mum was cold and distant. My father was often critical. He was quick to point out flaws and shortcomings, quick to anger or pick a fight. And he could be sarcastic and cutting, all in the name of humour. In short, if I could have chosen a family to be in, I'm not sure mine would have made the shortlist. Mine is an extreme example of a family who didn't glorify God. Often using extreme examples, it helps us to tease out or highlight in our own lives areas that we need to work on. God placed us in this church family. He placed you in this church family. I've shared before about how God has spoken to me about loving our family well, about pursuing the one, about being faithful to the family that God has given us. And we're working this out through something that we're calling 3C, care, community, and connect. But this is not about a bunch of key people in church getting together and doing something. This is about each and every one of us working together to build a family that glorifies God. A family that points to Jesus a family that's slow to anger and quick to forgive. A family that points out people's strengths, not highlights their weaknesses. A family that uses the words to build each other up, not to tear people down. A family that notice when someone's hurt in church, when someone's lonely or absent and does something about it or shares it with other people that can. I know the pain, the disappointment, and the shame, and the hopelessness of belonging to a dysfunctional family. And I'm sure that sitting here, there are others that can relate to that too. But let's work together to continue to make all nations a family that glorifies God for the praise and glory of his name. Now, at the beginning of the um, service, I put out cards on your chairs and this is just something to prompt us 
to get involved. It's, it's not going to massively change history, but it will impact what we do. So just have a read of it, on, of it, pray about it, and look to see how you can engage in making this family a great family that glorifies God. The next implication is that we receive the Spirit. Paul says, you also, leaving us in no doubt that as the first to hope in Christ, the Jews, we also as Gentiles were God's chosen people. We who heard the gospel are included in every blessing. We read that having believed they and us were marked in him, in Christ, with the seal, the seal of the Holy Spirit himself. The Spirit dwells in us. In Paul's day, a seal would be the guarantee of something, that something was genuine, like an important document or a letter marked with a royal crest. In the same way, the Holy Spirit marks us, marks you as being genuine. The seal marks us as believers in Christ. The seal is unbreakable. We cannot lose our salvation. Our souls are indelibly marked as belonging to Christ. That is a hallelujah moment. Hallelujah. We have the guarantee that God who started a good work in us will see it through to completion. And it's not through the strength of our faith that saves us, but the object of our faith. God initiates our salvation Jesus accomplishes our salvation, but the Holy Spirit helps us to apply our salvation to our lives. Our salvation is through grace and grace alone, right. from start to finish. Another common use for the seal is to mark ownership, like on cargo or on cattle. In the same way, the Holy Spirit marks us as owned. We belong to Jesus. That serves as a declaration, hands off, I'm owned by God. I'm his property. He, the Holy Spirit, is our protection. We are owned by God and protected from spiritual harm, from the works of the devil. And all we have to do is call on his name. Paul is making a point that we've heard the gospel, responded to it, received the Holy Spirit, and all as a result of God's plan to save us from sin. Each and every one of us has a unique story of how we came to salvation. We are enabled by God through his Holy Spirit to be convinced of the gospel of salvation. The Holy Spirit was our seal. And every Christian who is genuine and who belongs to God will possess the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Holy Spirit is displayed through the fruits of the Spirit, as described in Galatians 5, to 23, where it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Prior to listing the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians talks about the acts of the flesh. For example, impurity, sexual immorality, 
discord, selfishness, envy, and so on. But when you're sealed with the Spirit, these things become less and less evident in your life as you recognize who you are, who you belong to, and begin to live in the good of it. I've often heard said that if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there have been enough evidence to convict you? That's a sobering thought. My desire is to be marked by the Spirit, to live a life that reflects the fruits of the Spirit and give the glory to God. The final implication in this passage is your inheritance is guaranteed. Paul says that the Holy Spirit is our down payment, a deposit, a taste of what is to come. About five and a bit years ago, Jonathan asked me to marry him. That's my husband there, (laughs) which is just as well. Um, (laughs) He had this big proposal planned out in advance. We had a romantic meal. He'd um, got Brian Leeson to um, text him at church, text him to say that he needed us to come to church and meet him for something. And as I entered the church, there was rose petals leading just down to here. Romantic, eh? There was music playing, and there was a spotlight just on here, just as Jonathan knelt down, and he gave me this ring. This ring was worn by his grandmother for 60 years, and he gave me this ring as a a pledge of marriage, guaranteeing that there's more to come. And so far, it's been amazing. (laughs) We have the Holy Spirit in us now, but it's only a portion of the blessing that God wants for us. He is the blessing that seals our salvation, the promise to be with us and work in us and work out our salvation with us. But he also guarantees that one day we'll be able to step into the fullness of our inheritance. You belong to God. You have the taste of the riches of what God has to offer us every day. But one day they're all going to be fully yours. We need to grasp the privileges that we've been given. So what should that look like? We should be living a life that's marked by the Holy Spirit. We should be completely immersed in the presence of God so that the very presence of God is dripping off of us to such an extent that those who draw close can't help but see God in us. Since Richard's trip to Bogota, he has had a number of people from different churches inviting him to come and pray. Pray for them, pray for their leaders, pray for their staff, and a whole bunch of people from here doing the same. Why is that happening? Because the presence of the Holy Spirit is dripping off him. It's affecting those that draw near to him. But there's a step that he needs to take in that too. He needs to be obedient to what God is doing. He needs to keep his eyes fixed firmly on the things of above. And he needs to be open to the Holy Spirit working in him and through him. 
Guys, I want to be a, a family hungry for the Holy Spirit to be at work in our church. And that will look different for all of us. For some of us, we'll be powerfully knocked over by the Spirit. For others, others we'll experience incredible peace or just a gentle nudge. But for all, it will equip us for the life that we're called to live as Christians. A life that brings the kingdom down to earth. Not yet in its fullness, but a life marked by signs and wonders, by, by salvations. I want to see illness dealt with in the name of Jesus. I want to see people set free. I want people not to feel condemnation. I want people not to be held back by sin. I want to see hearts that are broken for the poor, for the lonely, and the disadvantaged in our, our community. And for those that don't yet know Jesus. God chooses us. He adopts us. He never leaves us. He never condemns us. He never forsakes us. He rejoices over us. He redeems us with his own blood for the riches of his grace, which is lavished upon us. And now we get to be his inheritance. He seals us with the Holy Spirit, giving us a hope and a future. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is for now and the not yet. And the Holy Spirit is active in our lives and active in our church. Richard has shared prolifically about the prophecy that he received when he was in Bogota. For him, the church, and for the nation, this prophecy was given to him. I want to just pick apart some of that prophecy just before we get the opportunity to respond. It says, seek him and give him the glory. This is not a passive thing. The Holy Spirit is moving in all nations' church, but we need to seek him. It says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. With all your heart. This implies a yearning, implies a real thirst. It implies putting it before all else. How thirsty are we? How much do we want to see the Holy Spirit working in our church? How much do we want to see him working in our town and in the nation? The prophecy says, if you know and understand the times you're living in and what you've received, your nation will explode in revival again. Wow. That is amazing. I want to see that happen. Amen. In the story of the prodigal son, the brother feels angry and let down that the prodigal, having squandered his inheritance after abandoning his family, was not, was welcomed, not only welcomed back, but with open arms was lavished with every blessing. A fatted calf was killed on his behalf. The brother complained that he'd never had that done for him. But he didn't recognize the time that he was in. He didn't recognize that he had at his disposal every blessing of the Father. Sometimes we can look at the Holy Spirit at work in other people's lives and be critical be envious, or think that's for them and not for me. Every blessing has been poured out on each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. 
This time, the time is now. The Holy Spirit fire is open to all of us. It takes repentance, an open heart, and a willingness and an eagerness for the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. The final thing that I just want to draw out is it talks about a life, living coals living here. Sorry, it talks about live coals living here. Live coals here at All Nations. It goes on to say, when you blow, the flame will ignite. Let's ignite the flame. Let's be thirsty for the presence of God. Let's be thirsty for his Holy Spirit to be working in us. And let's be open to passing on the fire of the Holy Spirit to all that we meet. Can you stand if you're able? I'm just going to give us all an opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing here. There's just a few things I'd like to respond to and you just bear with, with me. I'm going to try and do that in, in ways that are helpful to all of us. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us now. And you can do that where you are. There's not some magical formula for it. Yeah, just close your eyes and lift up your hands. But if you're sitting there or you're standing there and you feel a real stirring, a real thirst, a real desire for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, then I urge you to take a step of confidence. Take a step forward and come to the front because there's people that want to pray for you. So if that's you and you feel that desire, if you feel that thirst, then come forward now. The response team are going to come and help you with that. Father God, we just desire to experience more of you. Father God, we are thirsty for you at work in our life. Lord God, we want more of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. We want more of you poured out into us so that we can give back to other people, so that we can pour it out on other people, Lord God. We want to see change in our town, Lord God. We want to see our hearts broken for those that don't yet know, not yet know you, Lord God. Father God, just come and do a work in us. Father God, just soften our hearts, soften our, our hearts, Lord God. Just open us up to you working in us and through us, Father God. We want to have a real thirst for you, Father. Father God, we want to see revival in this church. We want to see revival in our town. Father, when we read all this stuff in the news and we see people killed in our town, we see people hurting, we see people broken, Lord God, we know that we just need you. Lord, come and do a work in us. Come and do a work in us. We just want to let kind of these people at the front just be continued to be prayed for. But secondly, we're reminded today that we're a people sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that is changed lives, changed priorities, changed hearts. You may be sitting or standing here today and there's stuff in your heart that you need God to deal with. And I'd ask you to come to the front. I'd ask you to come to the front and just <laughs> repent of it. 
ask you to come to the front and just repent and ask God to count and counter you afresh to just awaken those things from Galatians that talks about the fruits of the Spirit. We want more of that in our lives, more of that, Father God. Father God, we just repent of the times when, when we've not honored you, when we've not done things to your glory, when we've not done things that have lifted your name high, Father God, and we just cannot do it without you. We cannot do it without you, Father God, and we ask that you just come and give us a fresh encounter with you, a fresh encounter with you. The final thing I want to pray for today is for healings. We should be a people marked by salvation, a people marked by healings. We desire for pain and heart to be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. At this start, I shared with you about various people who've received healing in our church. And then Belinda came and shared about her healing story. Every blessing has been poured out on us. There'll come a day when sickness, pain, heart will all be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. But right now, today, we get to partner with Jesus. We get to bring heaven down to earth. We get to lay hands on the sick and call forth healing in the glorious name of Jesus. If you need healing right now, I would say just put up your hand. And I include me in that as well. If you've got need healing in your life, put up your hand. And if you see somebody with a hand up, go and pray for them. Lay your hands on them. Go and demand that pain and heart go in the mighty name of Jesus. This is not a passive thing, guys. This is an active thing. This isn't a thing that is just for the Richards or the Andes. It's for you. God chose you. You are chosen. You are anointed. Go and put your hands on people and pray for them. And if there's nobody around you, just put your hands on the person next to you. And pray that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray that they get a fresh encounter with you. Father, we just say that pain be gone in your mighty name. We just command sickness to go, Lord God. In the same way that you healed me, that you healed um, George, that you healed Belinda, that you healed many others, Father God, we pray that healing be gone in your mighty name in this church, Father God. We pray for every person that's suffering, Lord God, that you will give them healing, Father, that you will work in him and that pain be gone. Father God, we thank you that actually you are a spirit that works today. We thank you that we don't have to wait that you will come today. Father, we thank you that every blessing is poured out in us and we just command pain to go in your almighty name. And Father God, we just thank you that you want to come and minister to us today. Lord God, we pray for each, I pray for each and every brother and sister in their, this room. I pray that they will get a fresh encounter with you, Lord God. I pray that you will come by your spirit. And whether that's in, in ways that knock them over, in ways that nudge them, or ways that fill them with peace, Lord God, I just pray that you come and encounter them where they are so that they may live in the good of all that you have given them. 
in your almighty name. Amen.